Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Hello there. And welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. If you've been listening, you know that I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I'd love to connect with you through sessions via phone, Skype, FaceTime, or Zoom during this time. You can reach out to me through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy, and I have practiced for over 20 years in the healing and self-help arena. I want to share with you that I have a book available for pre-sale right now. It is a book on healing our deepest core wounding through astrology empathy, and self-forgiveness. His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama, endorsed my book about two weeks ago, which was such a great honor. And you can check out that book. It's available for sale on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. And all those links are actually through my website, nolatherapy.com, N-O-L-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com, as well as linking up to this podcast, through the podcast link. And I invite you to leave a written rating and review if you're so inclined. It helps us a lot, all podcasters, any podcast you like. Definitely go to iTunes and leave a review because it really is a great service to us. Additionally, I offer besides sessions to work with me directly, my book. I also have an online class having to do with empowerment, IN empowerment, which is sourcing from within and bringing forth your gifts that are within you in whatever areas are important to you. It's an online class, 20 psycho-spiritual techniques that are practical things that you can learn from me, like how to use a pendulum. Why would you set up an altar in your house and how would you do that? Different books and techniques. I talk to you about meditation the importance of a morning routine and a nighttime routine. I talk about how to get unstuck 
from patterns that you might have a hard time releasing yourself from. So go check out my website and sign up for my email list at nolatherapy.com. I really welcome hearing from you as well. Okay, my guest today is a really dear friend, and this is her second time on the show. The first time we talked about other aspects of her work as an attorney, and today I'm really delighted to have back on Tatrice Harrison, Esquire. She fights for justice by day as an attorney and dons her author slash poet hat by night as a writer. Tatrice happily lives in New Orleans after spending 19 years away from her hometown of New Orleans, living in Washington, Colorado, Texas, and even Germany. Today, we're discussing her first book. It's called Bitch Hunt, and it's a nonfiction account of racism against black women who were on the leading edge of the legal field as practicing attorneys and elected officials. Tatrice, I just want to welcome you to the show today. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. And it's, it's great to be back back on your show and, uh, you know, here to talk to your listeners and talk to you, of course. Absolutely. So I read your book. I really liked it. You You highlight five black women, yourself included, in the legal field and things that happened to you, to each of you. Where do you want to start with us on this story and what's important for listeners to kind of set their mind around? So as, as you stated, the book is about um, five black female attorneys. Um, some of them are, uh, all of them are attorneys, but some of them are judges and some of them uh, may be running for judge. And it, it, it highlights like what happens to them as they are attacked because because who people believe they are or who people perceive them to be and they are you know bothered by whatever that is and then go on these these attacks um against them and so i kind of navigate everyone through each person's story and i wor- i wrote the stories um from a na- uh, narrative standpoint and i included how i got to bitch hunt was like my story and I'll tell my story. Um, yeah. I think it's the most compelling story was I basically, like you said, I'm an attorney. I was in New Orleans coming from somewhere, come out and I had a, uh, my car had been incapacitated, incapacitated because I had a boot on the car. I'm approached by a stranger who I um, basically try to get to get away from me by telling him to leave me alone. He doesn't comply with that. And this whole exchange between us um, ensues. And then um, he finally leaves after several things of me basically having to say, I have a firearm, you need to get away from me. And then I finally get to go away and I'm I'm going quickly because I don't want to give away too much. And then two sure. weeks later, I'm then arrested. And then I take you through that whole story from me being arrested to up to the time where I actually had to go to trial for this and talk about, you know, I'm facing 10 years in jail, you know, all of those things. And so what happened is to find other stories that I felt were similar to mine. And that's what led me to the other four women that I wrote about. And what you find in the book is you're going to find racism. You're also going to find sexism. And you're also going to find uh, colorism, which is the internal racism between races, uh, between the black race, where you're talking about a lighter skin race, uh, person rather to a darker skin person. So, and in your situation, you were found not guilty 
because you weren't guilty, yet you had to go through this ordeal, which was so stressful. And after reading your story, it you were also a candidate for judge in an upcoming election. And I couldn't help but but feel like that the man that was harassing you and acting homeless and, and unpredictable and really scary, almost like if he was planted to, you know, harass and try to get a rise out of you. Is that was that your sense of the situation after going through all of it and, and the things that happened subsequently? Well, and, and actually, yes. And, and, and it's funny you asked that question because I, I just talked. I just was on a, um, something yesterday that I was talking to. And I and I found and I one of the things that I talked about and I found so interesting was throughout the whole thing, you know, through the trial, it's this whole the whole uh, picture they were trying to paint. And this is the picture they try to paint of black females is the whole point of the story is that we're too this. We're too aggressive. We're too, you know, we're too, uh, too much. Uh, you know, we need to stay in our place. And one of the things about in my story is this whole thing about that apparently that I was angry, I was all of these things. But yet, if I was this angry black person, like they say, they said, and I was acting in a dangerous way, why was this person not shot? Because if I was at that level of angriness, then he should have been shot, right? All of these right. things should have happened. None of those things happened because the story, because that never happened. If I was in, you know, because according to him, I was, you know, I was out of control. An out of control person would have shot that person. An out of control person would have done all of these other things. I was in control. And that's why I announced to him that I had this firearm, not that I took it out and started waving it around. You know, as you'll find in the story that he basically tries to say I was waving it around and I was doing all these things. That never happened because then my actions don't match with what you're saying that I was doing. And it doesn't match with what the DA and all of these other people were saying I, I was doing. Because if I was doing all of that, then that person would have been injured. You know, so, that, so that's how you know there's more to the story. And yes, it, it had nothing to do with, um, you know, allegedly what I, what I did not do. It had more to do with the, the well, first of all, it started with racism and then it moved into the politics uh, situation because first you have the incident with he with he and I. And then you move into then the politics of it once it gets to the level where it gets to where then they want to they want to then, you know, teach me a lesson. And that's when the politics gets into the whole ordeal. Yes. And then you follow up with the story of Desiree Mary Charbonnet, who was the first female elected as recorder of mortgages in New Orleans. She was also the first female elected at the Orleans Parish Municipal Court. She had a Mm -hmm. really successful, has had a really successful career as an attorney, and she was running for mayor in New Orleans opposite our current mayor, Latoya Cantrell. And, you know, all these bullying tactics that were applied to her to get her to not win the race and, and even colorism, I'm thinking. Can you talk to us yes. some about that? Yeah. So what what happened in that that situation was it, it was a, it was several folds because you had a businessman that basically started this whole I mean, he got to the point where it was this personal overall attack and he's he's in the he's in the book where he does this whole I mean he's doing commercials. I mean, he's doing this full on thing and it's just like, what, you know, what is this really about? 
Because the thing is, you've had elections before and this person has never come out because he started off like, oh, I'm a concerned citizen. And I'm, you know, I'm worried about the city and all this other kind of stuff. Well, nothing had ever been said before. But now all of a sudden she's running for mayor. And now it's this full on, well, we got to do this. We got to do that. Then you have um, rich folks from Baton Rouge and New Orleans and getting together and then also starting this whole um, thing by sending out these mailers with these racist type cartoon car- characters, right. cartoon type things that are, I mean, were just egregious. Then on top of that, then you have one of the candidates that's in the race that is basically also tearing the person down. You're talking about an accomplished person who has done very, very well for herself. And then the person is being reduced to her, her outfit. She's being yes. reduced to shoes. Her shoes. She's being yeah. to, you know, you look good in a, a skirt. Forget about the fact that I did all of these things. And, pull, you know, and educated myself in a very positive way and been in a very positive light up to this time prior to running from here, nothing negative. And then all of a sudden now it's like everybody out of the woodwork. And then in New Orleans, you had, which which unfortunately is still an issue here. I can't talk about other cities because I don't live there. Well, you have which you, Creos, which are the lighter complexion, and then you have the darker complexion. And so then you have this whole thing about the Creoles are perceived to be rich and they're supposed to be this and they're, you know, they're the, the, the special chosen people or whatever, whatever it is that the narrative that people were trying to basically leave is because she was that she, she was basically too, too much, too above. We needed somebody that was more down to earth. Latoya of course was of a different hue. And so she was given more of that past where Desiree was more given, uh, you know, given more of that critical, critical um, uh, comments about the fact because of the fact that she was Creole and because she was a fair skin. And so you had this whole thing going on in New Orleans where it was like, oh, no, she, you know, it, it was all it, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. Again, when you looked on the um, experience, it wasn't looked at that. It was all about what they perceived her to be or who they thought she was. And then they basically started their attacks. And that's where, where everyone came from when they, when they basically attacked her, it came from all of these different perspectives about what they thought their perception of what she was. And none of those perceptions were actually accurate. Well, and what struck me, Tatrice, is in the story of all five of you women, yourself in New Orleans, Desiree, Mary Charbonnet in New Orleans, Gay Polk Mm -hmm. Payton in Mississippi, Angela Mm -hmm. Stokes in Cleveland, and Rhonda Crawford in Chicago, that all of you had successful legal careers without any blemish, without any complaint, until each of you went to run for judge and and in like a much higher position. And then that's when mm-hmm. suddenly all these very exactly. weird things started happening. Exactly. And, exactly. and Yeah. And so that really stood out to me in the book. You know, so how did you even compile? How did you find, how did you select beside yourself, the other four women to highlight and share about? What I wanted, I wanted people that, because like you said, every story was very similar. And so what I did was I did a search, Um, you know, being an attorney, I'm very good at researching. So there were certain Mm -hmm. keywords that I did when I Googled and I cross-referenced and did certain things. 
And so basically I started off with a list of maybe 10 people. And then as I went through each person's story, if there were certain things in there that I felt like were not going to really work, like there, there was one person, for instance, and I don't remember the name, but she was a judge and it was in Houston. And I thought her story was great. Well, then as I started researching it, she in fact admitted some of the things that they said that she did. Well, I couldn't include her in the story because that's right. a whole different story. That's not yes. that's not the story. So if the person actually wind up doing some of these things, then that person couldn't be included in the story. So once I got it narrowed down, that's how I got to the other four women because they were the only ones that really met the criteria of what I was looking for. And actually, I was finishing up my book. There's a judge in I want to say it's Monroe, they started attacking her. And her story was very similar to everyone else's story. But at that point, I was all, almost wrapping up this book. So I couldn't include her because that was going to delay me. But she would have been another example of someone that I could have included because I think she said something in court. And then next thing you know, they all started attacking her. And she's been on the bench for a long time. And I found her story to be very compelling and very similar to our to our stories as well. Yes, and just so our listeners have a sense of these five women, the the third woman that you speak about is Gay Polk Payton, and she's in Mississippi. I actually started following her on Twitter. She's a singer, songwriter, author, attorney, judge, and opening for judge. An anonymous package arrives at the court with all of these printed out tweets and things. She she would give advice, professional advice on her Twitter, and I can't even believe that she actually took three years to get to the Mississippi Supreme Court, that she was actually tried for these allegations by someone who didn't even give their name and just printed out stuff from the internet. And, you know, the allegations are all dismissed, but just the, the hardship that a person goes through with their character on trial, literally, and being accused, like, it just was mind blowing. Yes, it was. And that's, that's why, I mean, again, that's why her story made it into the, to my book, because again, to this day, she doesn't know who this person is. Like you said, it was an anonymous, uh, you know, anonymous package or whatever um, that was sent in. And yes, what they did and when, and they found all these clippings and, you know, things that she did. And again, that person felt like, oh, well, wait a minute, she's doing too much. Again, that's where the bitch hunt name comes from. And then the title, yeah. the thing that you have where you have the people running behind them and they're saying too important, you know, too much. You, you think you're too much. It's all of that, that, that thing. And I, I know how she felt, even though my situation didn't take three years for me to, to resolve. It's still, still, I know that, that pressure that she felt because I, I was under that pressure. Even if it was for 30 days, I still felt that pressure. So three years, yeah. I couldn't even imagine being on hold in a, in a sense, because she was still working and all of that. But in the in your mind, part of your mind, she's she's on hold. But it, but to her credit, because she was the, such a woman of God, she knew that God had her. But even with that, you're still going to have those days when you're just like, you know, can can this all can this be over? And I know that she felt, you know, felt that that stress, even when those days when you know when she. Even though she, you know, was a person, she is a person of God. I know she still felt that pressure because anybody human would feel that pressure and waiting three years. And again, like you said, having to go to the Supreme Court, which I thought was just absolutely ridiculous that they were in court 
talking about these things because I actually um, listened to the uh, the uh, the audio of the entire hearing. I sat there and listened to the entire hearing, and the whole time I was listening to it, I was my mouth was just open. It was just it yeah. was just so egregious and so ridiculous that she was being put through this. Um, it, it was just, and, but the thing was, she made you know she made it she made it through. But the fact that she had to go through it was absolutely asinine. So what is your hope, Tatrice, in revealing the women's stories, including your own, that readers will? Oh, good. Yeah. No, you first. Yeah, your hope for readers and us hearing about this. So one of the things that that, that I've been talking about, and, and I made I made someone um, a client was asking me actually about about the book and 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 trying to understand. One of the things that I found and the levels to it that I found is. The story, so with my story and with some of these people's stories, but, but especially with mine, the reason why you get to me getting arrested is because I'm a black female. And that's what happens in every last one of these stories. It didn't matter whether the man was either. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Black or white in my story. That wasn't the story. The story was that I was the black female that wasn't supposed to be doing whatever they felt like I was supposed to be doing, meaning defending myself. Because, oh, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. now you're angry. To see that story would change had that woman been a white woman and then say that man was black. See, now the story changes because it's like, oh, no, you can't you can't attack this white woman. So now we're going to take you to jail. But the story, then the whole dynamic changed for each one of us because we were black females. And because we're all black females, we're being put in a situation where we're having to be the champion of what is going on with us in every one of these stories. Because if you change the race of the person, then you don't get to bitch hunt. You don't get to any of it. So my whole point of the story and what I want readers to take from this is that, I mean, even though, you know, even right now it's happening, Black Lives Matter and everything else that's going yes. on, even, even with uh, Kamala Harris, the bitch hut is going on with her because what are people doing? They're starting to tear her down. I told, mm-hmm. I told someone um, yesterday, I said, think about it. This woman ran for a senator. You never heard really all of this stuff about it. She was the state, was state attorney general, if correct me if I'm wrong. You never really heard that much about it. She was a DA. You never heard that much about all the stuff that they're saying. But see, now she's doing too much. See, now she wants to be VP. Oh, no. So now it's, oh, she's this. Is she black enough? Is she all of this? So now mm. you're hearing this whole area 
It's when we start to step into areas that they deem that we should not be in, then you start with all of these, these ridiculous attacks. And so what I want to take, I want people to realize is, is that we as black women are going through all types of stuff, even, even still now, even in our profession, even as all professional black uh, females, attorneys, we're still going through that exact same thing, even, even today. And I think that people need to re- recognize that if you are going through anything, the best thing you could do for yourself is to stand up and be true to yourself and tell people that you're not going to tolerate it. Where they, you know, they, and every, not so much with everybody, and I don't want to give everything away, but you, most of these people decided to say, most of these women decided to stand up to, in some degree, whatever that was for them. And I think that's what I want people to take away from this, that racism does exist. It is happening to me, even at my level and our level. But we we just we chose to stand up and to say we're not going to do we're not going to you know, accept that. And I think people need to be be doing that as well. If that's happening in their life, they need to stand up for themselves. I love that message, Tatrice. And then. In, in the next story with Angela Stokes, the attorney in Cleveland who went through at age 14, I'm not sure if it's pronounced the Hoff riots or the Hogue riots in Cleveland in 1966. Yeah. How do you say it? I think it's Hogue. The Hogue riots. And yeah. I didn't know about that. And and her dad and her uncle were civil, right, civil rights attorneys. And some about her story that she came up really successfully and as an attorney and and then just people turning against her in the same fashion, making things up um, and and her ending up actually losing her license unjustly. Can you share some of her story with us? And why it drew you? Yeah, I think with her story, what I found was I think that the reason that she really got attacked was more because of who she was connected to, meaning her father and her uncle. I I think, I don't really think her attacks were really about her. Of course, she was the one that took the brunt of it, but I found that the one particular person um, that was really attacking her is one of those situations where if you keep saying that there's fire, eventually there's going to be a fire. And I think that's what this person did. It didn't, it didn't make any sense to me as, as soon as she took the bench, as soon as she took the bench, this person started a, a dossier on her. Well, well, how could she be a problem if she just took the bench? So when I say take the bench, I mean she just started working as a judge. Yes, so as a judge. Started, yeah, so just, just in case people like bench. So she just took the position as judge. She just won the seat as judge. And this person immediately started basically gathering information, you know, uh, recognizance on her. And that didn't make any sense and unless you're basically trying to set her up for something because there's nothing that you could possibly be writing about this person if they just started working in the position. Well, actually, so, yeah. And go on, Tatrice, and then I'll no, say. No, go ahead. No, 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 now that you're talking, what I remember is the beef that that other judge had with her didn't have to do with her at all. It had to do with an issue he had with her father and uncle. And it was so yep. sad that he took out on her because of something that happened between him and her family members. And yes. do you know if she ever realized that? Do you have any insight or information as as to that? No, I don't have any insight into that. But I, from from what I gathered, I think her defense 
part of that happened, but uh, there were some things that happened as to why her story ended the way it did. And again, without me giving away um, yeah. the story, there was there were certain certain um, things that kind of happened. I think that made her story go in the direction that it did, and it was really sad. You know, because some of the things that happened, I have my uh, I, I had my thoughts about you know what happened. I think that once the the the, the, the death happened, I think that changed her mindset about the whole thing. I think had she went um, further in the whole in her ordeal, I think she would have probably had a different outcome. Uh, oh, you mean when, when her when her father passed away during all this happening for her? Yes, I think yes. that changed her mindset. And oh, I, I bet. That, yeah, I mean, because think about it. You're talking about from what you know, from what I read and from what I gathered, she was a daddy's girl, and so I think that, of course, you know. We know at some point our parents are going to die, but that doesn't mean when, you know, when a person dies, it's still not going to affect you. And so I think that that effect, I think there was an effect on her that basically put her in a different mindset of what what initially she was trying to do with this whole situation. And I think that's why things changed, you know, changed. I think had there not been that death, I think there would have been a different outcome for her. And do you know, Tatrice, if any of these women have, have read your book yet or have you sent it to them? Well, um, I know that Gay Pope Payton has because we spoke about it. Because um, yeah. what I what I did was I researched everyone. I did not speak to one any, to anyone um, in, in particular. Um, so this is all based off me researching, me writing it from a narrative standpoint. So after Gay um, wrote, wrote, uh, read her story, she was like, oh, my God, I didn't know you knew me that well. And I said, yeah. I said, I said, that was research, my dear. That was research. <laughs> and I was just able to in tune to what type of person she was. And she said I nailed her story 100, you know, 100 percent. So that that kind of made me feel good that at least I, I, I try to do um, I'm trying to be as objective as possible. Um, yeah, you know, not necessarily pulling any kind of punches. But she's probably the only person that I've, I've spoken with. I did try to send the book to Ms. Stokes. I'm, I'm not sure if she received the book um, or not. I have not um, been in contact with her. Sure. But I can tell our listeners, Tatrice, that one of the things I really liked about your book is that you take the topic of the law, which can be very tedious and kind of dry, and you infuse it with these women's stories, your your own included. So it was kind of like on this really cool journey with each woman learning about their families, their upbringings, like their hopes and dreams that they had. And um you know, it just made it really kind of like juicy with with like personality <laughs> and life, which I really appreciated about it. What what kind of responses have you gotten from your book so far? Oh, yeah. So far, I've gotten um, once I started reading it, I couldn't put it down. Uh, I've gotten like, you know, powerful women, powerful stories, uh, you know, needed to be told. Uh, people asking when the movie is coming out. Uh, so I've yeah. gotten... Uh, very, very positive, positive, positive feedback. Uh, I had uh, a funny story. I got a call yesterday from my nephew, and he wanted to know. What's up. I'm like, okay, well, I kind of was trying to acknowledge those people that helped me along the way with the book. I don't recall you calling me, but you know, he said, "Well, you need to make sure and include me for next time." So, oh, that's so cute. I got. So that's the only I would say 
so-called feedback that I got that was not, he said the book was good, but by the way, you should have put me in the acknowledgments is basically what he told me. You know, and having just finished my own book, it's a hard call because even in my own acknowledgement sections, like part of you, it's not like you're receiving, you know, it feels in some way like you're receiving an Oscar. I want to list blah, 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 50 names. But then it's really yeah. not about that because when you're writing a book, it's a certain time frame in your life. Yeah. And certain people I notice come forward and others stay kind of in the background. And it doesn't yeah. mean there's any less love for the people in the background, but it's a really intense process and a commitment to write a book. So I know I, I acknowledge certainly my family and a few professional uh, contacts that really came forward for me during that time. And in reading your acknowledgements, it looked like the same. You know, it's kind of like who was there during this period for you as you went through this like birthing of, of your work, of your book. Right. And, and you got it right. Exactly. It, it does feel like you gave birth by, you know, you're mothering this whole thing. Mine took two years. So, yeah, it, it, and, 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 and you're correct with the acknowledgments. It's not that you're necessarily not saying that you're not relevant. It's not that you're saying that you're not important. But if I sat and named every, now you know, every, I'm well known in New Orleans. If I sat yeah. and wrote every name. Oh, my that gosh. Would be that would be that a book. Would be the book. Yes. <laughs> that is the book. So, okay. so yeah. <laughs> no, finish your sentence and then I'll say. No, I was going to say, I guess next time what I need to do is, you know, say family and friends and not everybody. <laughs> I'm talking to you. I, I'm forgetting to go to a, a word to my sponsor. So we're going to take a couple minutes and do that. And I'll bring you back on in a few minutes. Okay. So for those of you who like Audible books as much as I do, and in fact, I'm in the middle of recording my book as an, as an audio book, Audible is one of my sponsors. And as my listener, they will give you a free audio book download and month-long subscription to try them out. You can cancel any time and take advantage of that offer by going to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. And you can download one free book and continue your subscription if you want or end it with that gift. But I know I love audiobooks and it is quite an experience recording my own. It's, it's really intense and awesome. So check out audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. Sleep Cycle is the app to help you improve your sleep. It tracks and analyzes your sleep through your phone and wakes you up during your perfect window of light sleep. Meaning if you set your alarm for 8 a.m., it's gonna find a window of about five minutes from tracking your sleep to wake you up at say 8.02, 8.04, when you're in the lightest period of sleep. It's like a 10 minute window. So you're not gonna be late. It's just gonna help you wake up without feeling like you're jarred out of a deep sleep. They have been tracking and measuring sleep for over a decade. And while you're sleeping, the app listens to your sounds and analyzes your sleep patterns through your smartphone. The data that you're then given the next morning can help you understand your habits and guide you into a routine that helps increase the quality of your rest, which increases our overall health in general. Sleep cycle in Apple analysis data and heart rate. As my listener, they are going to give you a free version of Sleep Cycle for seven days to enjoy it and see how you like it. Simply go to sleepcycle.com forward slash ATT. It stands for All Things Therapy. 
You can cancel anytime, but check them out. It's been really interesting to wake up and have this graph of when I woke up, when I was sleeping, when I'm in REM sleep, when I'm not. It's actually very cool. So check them out at sleepcycle.com forward slash ATT. So what interferes with your happiness? Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect with them in a safe and private online environment that is convenient. You can start communicating on 24 hour and compliant, and you can email your counselor messages anytime through the BetterHelp platform online. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, and they are more affordable than other therapists, like even myself. So if you want to go to therapy and feel like price-wise it's not accessible, BetterHelp is a great resource for you. They offer treatment and help with issues from depression, stress, and anxiety to relationships, grief, and self-esteem. They are professional, and they do offer financial aid for those who qualify. Take advantage of 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com forward slash ATT for all things therapy. That's betterhelp.com forward slash ATT. Okay, Tatrice, you're still with us? I'm here. Good. So, okay, your last story, and that is of Rhonda Crawford, and that really hit me in the heart, her story. She lived in Chicago, became a nurse, obviously a very caring person. You really capture her spirit and personality so well. And she decided to go to law school in 2000 and became a municipal court judge. And all the things that happened to her that led her in taking her life, I was just so sad and angered by what she experienced. Yeah, her, her story, um, when I was doing my research and uh, I didn't know at the time. So, cause you know, I'm just, re- I'm researching initially. So I'm looking through everything and I'm looking through everything. And then something, you know, of course, you know, I'm looking at different articles and I'm reading everything and I'm, you know, I'm writing my notes and all of that. And so I get you, I'm like, no, 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 no. So I started being cross-referencing, you know, because that's what you do. You find it, but then I cross-reference, cross-reference. And so I'm starting, I'm looking at every possible thing and, and, you know, the stories are basic, the story is basically true. And what, what her thing was, again, it was, she got caught up because I actually wanted to speak with the guy that represented her. She actually wanted to, wow. he represented her up to a certain point. And then she hired someone else, but, and I already knew what was going on because it happened to me. So I, I clearly read through, you know, the whole story of what really was going on. It was a situation where, like you said, she was a nurse. She decides to go to law school. She's working at municipal court. So, you know, she's not, because think about it, she's now coming to law at a little bit later. So right. you may have people that have been around. She hadn't really been practicing that long. And wasn't really that well known because the thing is, she would have, she spent the majority of her time, I think, working at Municipal. She did, she worked some other places, but I think the majority of her uh, career, uh, as far as the law, the law, the uh, latter part of it after she became a lawyer, was pretty much working as a, uh, like a law clerk for the judges. 
So a judge position comes open and she says, well, I'm going to run for it. And she doesn't do the typical things like people normally do where she goes and gets the endorsement from, you know, maybe this person and that person, or she, you know, seeks money from this and that person. She funded her own campaign with her own money. And the crazy thing was, even with all of that, she wound up winning. And I think what happened, people were like, well, wait a minute. Who is this? I did yes. her because she, she didn't go and, and kiss rings. She didn't go and get approval from this person because somebody, I'm sure there's somebody out there that believes there's this self-appointed go-to person. So she didn't go and get approval from all of these go-to people. She went and did it on her own. And then not only did she do it on her own, she won. And so I'm sure that took a lot of people by surprise. And so then you have this situation, the day that um, she, she wound up wearing the, the robe of the judge. The crazy thing about that whole story, because it, it was kind of hard to capture every little thing. Right. So you kind of had to leave some stuff out. And I don't remember if I put it in there or not, because it's just, it's just been too, too long since I wrote the story. But the thing was, that judge wasn't even supposed to be there that day. Mm. She, just happened, she just happened to, I forgot what happened. I, I can't remember now, but she wasn't even supposed to be there. So that was already the start of something kind of interesting. And then I didn't go into her story, but they actually then attacked her um, eventually. But I, I decided yes. to focus on Rhonda and not so much focus on her. And so it just was interesting what she did by putting on the judge's robe and the whole little thing. It, was, it wasn't that big of a deal. But the killing part about it was when they decided to bring criminal charges against her. It just yeah. didn't make sense. No, the criminal charges made no sense. And then, again, we weren't talking about the fact that she had decided, and she really didn't decide, but that when she put it on, the people, the cases that she looked at, Lisa, it was traffic tickets. Yeah. It wasn't murder. It wasn't murder yeah. cases. It was a traffic ticket. And you actually filed criminal charges for her for a, for a speeding ticket? So that's yeah. how you knew it was more about the powers that be feeling like she didn't deserve this because who, I dare this person run, use her own money and win. So instead of people, again, being like, oh, my God, she's, she's doing, you know, a positive thing. And she, you know, she's um, accomplished so much. It's the, oh, wait a minute. She's doing too much. She's too much. She's too important. We need to sit her down. You know, and it, it, it was just a sad. Her story was very uh, gut-wrenching for me. Uh, it was gut-wrenching to read it. Yeah. And that was the last woman you feature in your book. And it was like, oh, like the seriousness of this, how it can it can destroy women's lives. These mm -hmm. the racism, the sexism, and the colorism and the bullying yep. has the yep. potential to destroy lives. Yeah. And we and need to stand up against it. Yeah. And that's that's the whole point of the story is that, you know, everybody goes through it different ways. And she she was such a beautiful person. That was one of the things yeah. that I was sorry that I wasn't able to do. I would have liked to have included pictures, but that was going to require so much effort to try to get in contact with the, you know, you know, get in contact with the person that right. took the picture, getting their approval. So I just decided that, you know what, it'll be better not to include. But if, if people have a chance, you know, look up, look up these women, you know, very beautiful uh, woman. 
um, very kind. Everyone always said very nice things. I didn't read anything about her that was anything negative. And it was just, it was just the, the way they a bully, attack, all of those things. I mean, they put the full weight of the law, the court, everything on this woman. And, uh, you know, it was pretty, you know, it was pretty, pretty sad. So t- in conclusion of our time together, where can people find your book and where are you off to next for promoting it? So the book is on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, I think it's on, uh, you know, uh, Apple and all, all of those platforms that you could possibly think of. And it's, it's in, it's in Germany, it's in Japan, uh, Canada, the UK. So it's, it's all over. So it's readily available for anybody. And, uh, my next, uh, event, I think, I think on Monday I have a, uh, zoom or, um, an iHeartRadio interview that I'll be doing. That's wonderful. And then your website for your book is tatriceharrison.com as well. Correct. And, and that will lead you to those platforms where the book will be, um, where the book is available. Yeah. And bitch hunt, how can you forget the title? I mean, it's like powerful. <laughs> it's great. It's so cr- creative and clever. Bitch hunt. Yes. And then I'm actually using it now as a noun, like I just said, with, with, with uh, VP Harris, or nominee rather. Uh, well, I just, I just spoke that into existence for her. That, you know, she, she, that, that, that's a bitch hunt. I think I told someone that yesterday. I said, that's a bitch hunt, what they're doing to her. And she was yeah. like, oh my God, I love that. I think I'm going to start using it. Yeah. Patrice, thank you for taking your time today to be with us. I really appreciate you and your work. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate your work. And I wish you much success with your book as well. Thank you. Have a really great rest of your evening, Tatrice. All right. Goodbye. Bye. That concludes my show today with Tatrice Harrison Esquire. Find her book, Bitch Hunt, everywhere books are sold. And remember to go to nolatherapy.com. Connect with me on social media. I'm at Nola Therapy on Facebook, on Instagram. Reach out to do a session by video or phone or FaceTime. Join my email list, buy my book, endorsed by the Dalai Lama, and sign up for my online class having to do with empowerment. I'll be back with you next week. All my love. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.